0: Welcome to Fusion Church's Sermon of the Week. Fusion Church is located in Wakanda, Illinois. We exist to complete and multiply people who passionately follow Christ. For more information, visit www.fusionchurch.com. Let's dive into this week's sermon. All right then, friends. So we've been working the last couple weeks through beginning to think about the power of our words. And last week, we we spent some some time in James, which kind of has this passage that captures, I think, probably the the most condensed teaching on the power of our words. Our, the, our words have both the power to bless or to curse, or like it said all the way back in Proverbs, to bring life or to bring death, that the power of life and death is in our tongue or in our words, that this small thing here, our mouth and our tongue, has the ability to have this incredible uh, influence for either good or evil, for for healing or for harm, and and so we have to be aware of how we're using our words, how we're allowing our tongue to kind of operate in our lives and around us, and so and remember we talked about how this is something that every single one of us struggle with. We all say things we shouldn't at the wrong time or the wrong place. Uh, We're all guilty of it. James says we all stumble in many ways and the person who doesn't, that person is completely mature. Now, I would like to think that I'm growing in maturity, but I'm not completely mature yet because I don't have a, I don't have a total uh, hang on what it means to really guard my words and only use them for good instead of evil. And so, so just so you know, just the starting place today, once again, is just remember a lot of grace, a ton of grace. We're all going to make mistakes in this area. But remember I said last week that, that grace does not equal permission, So grace for what we've done in the past, and even the mistakes that we make right now are not permission to stay in that place moving forward. And so we want to grow, we want to lean into maturity. And so uh, today we're going to lean into the idea of the destructive power of our words. So how can our words be damaging? How do we pay attention to that? How do we think about that a little bit? And I just want to kind of set this up a little bit with just remembering that everything that God created on earth was good, Read the first chapter of Genesis, it was good. And then he created something else and it was good. Until he gets to us human beings it says, and it was very good. Man, that is awesome. And that's how the whole of creation and everything in creation is God intended it for good. And actually, we, I think we mentioned this last week that the more possibility and power something has for good, the more possibility and power it has for something destructive And this is exactly how our enemy works. He perverts and twists. He can't create anything. He can only use what's already been created for evil. And so that's what happens with our words. So we have to be aware because our words are so powerful, because of what we say is so powerful, it also means that they have this incredibly destructive power. So we've got to be really aware of this. Everything that's good in creation can be perverted, whether it's relationships or sexuality or food or other kinds of substances, entertainment, every good thing on earth can be perverted into something evil. We don't want that to happen with our words. Now, trigger warning, I'm going to say some things today that probably are going to offend most of us. And so I I want you to know that this is coming from a place of grace, but because this is so serious I don't know that we can soften the blow of the words of of, of scripture that are going to pierce our hearts in some areas. Like the Bible actually talks about how the wounds from a friend are a good thing. So those wounds aren't going to come from me, actually going to come from from God's word. So there's going to be some things today that might go, oh man, I feel like he's talking directly to me. I'm not, but the Holy Spirit might be. And so here's what I want you to do. the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a good thing. It leads us into relationship with God and into relationship with other people. Shame that you might be experiencing is a bad thing. It causes us to run away from God and run away from people. So we don't want that. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to move the way he wants to move this morning. So uh, so let's dig in, but just want you to know that there's going to be some heavy things that might get under your skin a little bit this morning. All right. Now, It should be really obvious that we should not use our words to intentionally harm anyone, that we shouldn't be speaking curses or insults or put downs against people, that that as followers of Jesus, using our words to harm people should be completely off the table, especially intentionally, I mean, this is like an obvious thing that you don't have to be a Bible scholar, that you actually don't even have to be a Christian, where this should just be good thinking. We don't use our words to intentionally harm people. But don't just take my word for it. Let's look at what the scripture has to say. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Here's what it says. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I want to pause. That word unwholesome is actually not a really good translation. that the word that's being used there in the original language actually refers to something that's rotten. Uh, so like it's used of bad fruit or a bad tree, rotten. so that if you consume that thing that's rotten it actually can bring you harm. It's not just morally like repugnant. When we think of wholesome, we think of like morally good. That's a part of this. But it's not, it's not just that. It's that no thing that's rotten that doesn't have the ability to actually bring good, instead it actually can bring harm. Nothing like that should ever come out of our mouth. So the next line is this, but, then, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So our speech, and we're gonna say more about the positive aspect of this next week, should only be, only thing that should come out of our mouths are something that will bear good fruit, something that will actually produce life in other people. And so our filter should be if what is about to come out of my life is going to tear down instead of build up, it must be off the table. We have to recognize that we have to guard our speech so that what we say doesn't intentionally harm anyone. We've got to recognize that. Now, this is obviously for, according to the text, for the benefit of the person, right? We don't say these things because we want to build the person up instead of tear a person down. So it's for the good of the person listening, but listen to this next verse. And verse 30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Now that little line right there is not just a throwaway line. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's not a general word of, hey, don't do things that make the Holy, that grieve the heart of God. It's actually in the context of us using our words. So the point is that when we say things that are harmful to other people, it doesn't just hurt them, it actually grieves the heart of God. And that is something I think that should cause us to pause and say, okay, what I'm saying right now isn't just harmful to this person in front of me. It actually hurts the heart of God. I'm actually grieving the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing because this is exactly what James says. Out of our mouth, we curse people, and then we try to bless God. This doesn't make any sense for us as believers. Why would we ever want to bring harm to a person and then try to praise and worship God? Because it doesn't work that way. God's looking down going, hey, do you not realize what you just did? I know when my kids speak in harmful ways to one another, and then try to come to me and say, Dad, can you do this thing? I'm like, well, wait a minute. I would love to do this thing for you, but you've got to go and fix what you just did with your sister. Like, this is not okay. It actually grieves my heart when my kids treat each other poorly. I think this is kind of what that scripture is getting at. We cannot afford to grieve the heart of God as much as we cannot afford to hurt one another. But we do. We know this. <laughs> it's not like this is new information, but we do. We allow ourselves to say these things some of the time because it feels good in the moment. It's a release. Man, I really got back at them, <laughs> right? And it feels good in the moment, but we once it leaves our mouth, we, ne- we don't ever have the ability to take it back. It's, it's like a, a spark that's gone into a room that's about to explode. We can't ever take it back. So it feels good in the moment, but it's actually going to bring harm. Another thing that we often do is we feel justified in the words that we're saying that are bringing harm to other people. So we somehow believe that we have the right to say this hurtful thing, maybe maybe because we've been harmed, and that can't be either. We can't afford to hurt others with our words because it makes us feel good, because it brings us comfort. And the, at the end of the day, it doesn't produce the good that we want it to have. So we just can't do that. Now, let me say that this doesn't mean that every word that comes out of our mouth has to be super nice, <laughs> that we can't speak um, firmly at times, that we can't be stern, uh, that we can't rebuke or correct um, that, that our words are always going to be syrupy sweet. That, that's, not, that's not the intent of the scripture. As a matter of fact, the Bible itself is ful- filled with some harsh words. Jesus himself, while he was here on the earth, spoke incredible compassion and love. I mean, the, the most beautiful uh, picture of who God is, both in his person and in his words and what he did. But he also spoke some really harsh things. So he talks to the Pharisees and he calls them a brood of vipers. Basically, you guys are like a pit of snakes. He calls other other Pharisees whitewashed tombs. He tells sinners to go away and sin no more. He calls out the sin that's there. I mean, Jesus is really harsh with his words sometimes. And so when we hear those things in scripture, sometimes we can take that as a license for us to do the same thing. And, and I'm going I'm to say that we can do that at times, but let me give us some clarifying points here. First of all, we should think about three things as it relates to Jesus. First, we should think about his person. So think about who Jesus is in the time and day where he's at. Jesus is sent not just as the Messiah, our Savior, but also as a prophet to the people of Israel who were about to face an impending doom. Uh, Jesus comes and he's beginning, if you read the gospels, he's warning them about what is about to happen if they don't change their ways, that their city, their Jerusalem, their temple, all of that's gonna be destroyed if they don't repent and change their ways. So Jesus is sent as a unique person at a unique time to a unique people and speaks these kinds of words that sound really harsh to our our ears, but it's in the spirit of all of the prophets who have gone before, who have been warning the people of God, God has been merciful to you. He's been kind to you over and over again. But if you don't change, there will be destruction. And that's exactly what happens In the year 70 AD, the temple is destroyed. Jerusalem is completely conquered by the Roman Empire, and it's never the same since. So Jesus was a unique person in a place. Also, we have to think about Jesus' kind of, um, his posture. So even though we think, uh, we, we hear these harsh words from Jesus, his intent in all of that was always love, was always compassion. One thing we can't do is question Jesus's motives. It's so clear from the Gospels and from, uh, from, from the rest of the New Testament. And what history has reflected back on Jesus is that Jesus was motivated. His motivation was always love. His posture was always love and compassion. So there were times where he had to confront but, and, and say these harsh things, but it was so that his compassion and his love could be revealed. And lastly, if we think about Jesus' purpose, Jesus' purpose was never just to tear down. It was always to build back up. That was his intent. His intent was to build a people of God, to establish his kingdom on earth. And sometimes, when, uh, in order to do something like that, there has to be confrontation. There has to be truth that's hard to hear. So what we're not saying is that we need to always whitewash the truth and make it super soft and palatable but what we are saying is that we should be really cautious in giving ourselves the kind of permission that Jesus had. Because I don't know about you, but one, I'm not a prophet sent to the people of God in the first century. I'm a pastor here in this church in this particular context, so I've got to be aware of what my context is. Secondly, my motives, my, my kind of purpose in what I do is and my posture in what I do is not always the same as Jesus. Like I don't live with the same love and compassion that Jesus had and walked with. And my guess is that you don't either. And so if your compassion and your love don't match the level of Jesus, which I know is an impossible goal, it means it should cause us to give pause and not just assume that we need to say the hard thing unless we've loved like Jesus's love. And I also know that the words that come out of my mouth, sometimes the purpose is not necessarily to build up. It's actually to tear down. And so I've got to be cautious of that as well. And the reason why I'm going into this, I think, because a lot of times as Christians, we're confused about whether or not how to speak truth and love, as a scripture has to say. And so here's what I would have to say. Sometimes we're going to have to be confrontational. But let's not just assume that we have permission to do so. Let's make sure that when we say something that is harsh or difficult to say, it's coming from a place of love and compassion. If you, ha- if you feel like you have to say something that's harsh or confrontational, if you haven't earnestly prayed about it, if you haven't prayed for the person or the people group that you feel like you need to say, I mean, not just like a token, co- co- I'm, I'm talking laboring before the Lord at what it is that you need to say. If you haven't asked God to search your heart and show me, Lord, is there anything in me where this is selfish or arrogant or whatever, then just don't say it. Zip it. Don't say it. It's just not worth it. What we need to do is go before the Lord and say, God, what is the message that you want me to send here? How can I go in love and compassion? And if you can honestly say that you've done that and God is still saying, yeah, go speak, then go and speak. Because I guarantee you that's what Jesus did with the Father. Spend all this time praying and getting alone with the heart and getting the heart of the Father. And so what comes out of his mouth is the heart of the Father in every moment. And I can just tell you that I am not there. I wish I was. Even today before you and and sharing this message, I have to check my heart and check my moment and say, God, what is in here? What do you want me to say? And I'm not sure I'm going to get it right every time. And you won't either. (laughs) So the, the standard isn't perfection, but the standard is that we grow in maturity here and be aware of how our words are intentionally bringing harm. But the deal is that most of the time, we don't intend on our words to bring harm. Most of the time, we unintentionally harm other people with our words. We bring hurt or uh, destruction through our words. We don't mean to do it, it happens unintentionally, but it does happen. And so this is why it's important for us to constantly be reminded of the power of our words, that God has given this incredible power. And like Spider-Man said, with great power comes great responsibility. I think it was Spider-Man, some comic book area. Uh, It's it's silly to, to, to frame it that way, but God has given this great power. And whenever we have great power, we have to make sure that we recognize the responsibility that comes with it. It's like getting the keys to the car. I have to recognize the freedom that I've been given when I got my keys to my car, but I have to recognize the responsibility that now comes with it to make sure I drive safely for myself and other people. So we have to be aware of this. Jesus has some haunting words for us in this area. We read a part of this scripture last week, but in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 through 37, here's what Jesus says. For, out, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We looked at that last week. A good man brings things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil out of the things stored up in, in him. But this is the line I want us to focus in on. But I tell you the truth that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Every empty word they have spoken. For your words, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. That line there, every empty word, that word empty actually means lazy or careless, reckless, it's something that's said without thinking about what comes out of our mouth. Jesus says, if we ha- will have to give an account for every lazy word, every careless word that is coming out of our mouth. One day you and I will stand before the Lord, even as those who are, who are in Christ, who are saved completely, and we will have to give an accounting of our life. What did you do with what I've given you? And the issue there won't be whether or not you get into heaven or, or not, but the issue will be how, do you, how did you steward what I've given you? I'm just saying, you're going to have to give an accounting for your words. That should make us pause and think about the weightiness of my words. I'm not just accountable for the hard things I say on purpose. I'm also accountable for the things that accidentally bring harm because I was careless or reckless with my words. So I want to give us two categories to think here about what this is because this could be all kind of overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh. I need, to, uh, I, I need to think about everything that I say. I think part of Jesus' provocative teaching here is to, to actually sober us and go, yeah, I want you to think about everything that you say. But just to make it a little bit more kind of narrowed in for us, I think there are two areas. The first area, I think, where our words can be careless or reckless, unintentionally harm people, is in the area of boasting. I touched on this a little bit last week. Boasting is something that's funny because uh, we don't talk about that a whole lot, but if you read the New Testament in particular, there is a lot of caution in the area of boasting, of somehow um, promoting myself and my accomplishments. And there's a healthy sense of being able to celebrate the things that God has done in our lives, the talents that he's given us. There's, there's a way that we can do that in a healthy way, but there's a way that we do that, one that comes from our own insecurity and our own sense of inferiority where we're trying to make ourselves feel better or look better in other people's eyes. And then there's a way that we do that where our sharing those kinds of things, it's not just about our own insecurity, well, it usually is, but somehow it's meant to make other people feel bad about their accomplishments or what they do or what they like. And anytime we're trying to elevate ourselves above other people, we're into pretty dangerous territory. Because when my boasting meets someone else's insecurity about who they are, their insecurity and their identity or their accomplishments, there is an immediate uh, chance for harm. And while I'm not responsible for other people's insecurities, I am responsible for what comes out of my mouth and how it might land in another person and how it might make a person feel, especially if I'm doing it intentionally to try to make myself look better. So we've got to be aware of when we're talking about our accomplishments or something that we do uh, that's better than another person, how it might make those people around us feel. Because most of the time, even though we're not consciously thinking, oh, I want to make myself sound better, the reality is a lot of times we're pushing other people down to push ourselves up. And this happens like really early on in life in benign ways as kids comparing different things and then goes on through adults. Just recently, I overheard a conversation between a group of kids. They didn't know I was paying attention. And one group of kids said, we had pancakes for breakfast. And the other group said, well, we had donuts. And another kid piped in and said, well, country donuts is better than Dunkin' Donuts. And it was a silly, goofy conversation. No one meant any harm by it. But you could see just in this little interplay how these kids were like one-upping one another. We had pancakes, we had donuts. Well, we had donuts that were better than your donuts. Like, you see, and it might be objectively true that country donuts are better than Dunkin' Donuts. I'm gonna just put that out there right now. Uh, I don't know that you can argue with with that fact. But these kinds of silly things play out in childhood and go all the way through adulthood where we're trying to make ourselves seem better than other people. And the New Testament is really clear. We cannot do that. And be the people of God. When I use my words carelessly and they harm other people in this way, it's not a good thing. Secondly, so that's that general area. We've got to be aware of our boasting. How is it making other people feel? And by the way, this is countercultural. We live in a culture where we're constantly boasting of our accomplishments. Look at what I did, look at what I achieved, look at how I did this. I mean, it's celebrated in sports, it's celebrated in everything else. Look at all these things. The culture is constantly telling us, promote ourselves, promote ourselves, promote ourselves. While the New Testament and Jesus is saying, I'm going to push here, is saying, humble yourselves before the Lord and before each other. Stop making yourselves seem better than other people and instead adopt a posture of humility and grace among other people where you are willing to serve. Our Savior and our Lord gets down on his feet in his last days with his disciples, gets down on his hands and knees and washes the dirty feet of the disciples. How far have we come from our Savior where we're constantly promoting ourselves instead of building other people up? So we've got to pay attention to this. Secondly, I told you this might be a trigger some things. Opinions. We live in an area, in a time, an era, where uh, we all feel the need to share our opinions about whatever it is all the time. We have strong opinions uh, about all different kinds of things, and we feel the need to share them both interpersonally and on the internet in whatever form, through text, whatever, We all feel like we need to share our opinions. Well, maybe not all of us, but I know I do. (laughs) I know I share that temptation, and I know that we live in a world right now that is full of opinion. I mean, news, for example, has turned into opinion rather than news. We're no longer reporting on facts. We're reporting our opinion on the facts. We live in an age full of opinion where everything is sharing what I think about a a situation. And there is nothing wrong about having an opinion. There's nothing wrong about having deep convictions saying, I really believe this. I think other people should know this, that there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is in an age where we're constantly sharing our opinions is that we're talking more than what we're listening. I'm going to say more about that in just a second. And what happens is that the destructive power of our opinions is that oftentimes we might say the right thing at the wrong time. And it produces a situation of pain in a person. We have convictions or opinions about something and we feel the need to share them, but we're not thinking about the people that those opinions might affect or we're not sensitive to the pain that someone might be going through. As a personal example, I'm saying this not because I need anyone to do anything about it or because I'm using this as a, as a therapeutic thing here in preaching for me, but just as an example, a per, very personal example. Just a few weeks ago, I saw someone uh, on Main Street and met someone or saw someone who I hadn't seen in a long time. And they heard, somebody that knew about Jen and, and me and knew that Jen had gone through a battle with COVID and had been in the hospital and was asking very nicely, hey, how is she doing? And so I began to share that she's doing good, but that that was a really like intense moment for us and that there have been both physical and kind of emotional issues that, that we've been working together through a family. And it's been really challenging. It's been a really challenging six months since that, that period of time for us. And I w- in that moment of vi- vulnerability, what would have been awesome is for that person to say, man, I'm really sorry that you went through that. And then end the conversation. But instead, that person decided that this was the moment to share their opinions about all things COVID related. What we should do, what we shouldn't do, how it should have been treated, what should have been treated, and all this other kind of stuff. It's like, hold on just a minute. I just shared this vulnerable moment of pain with you. And now you're using this as a time to share your opinion about all the state of the world. And the truth is, I actually didn't disagree with him about what well, a lot he had to say. I actually agreed with almost everything the person was saying. But the problem was he completely ignored my pain to share his opinion. And I'm telling you, friends, that is a major problem with us right now in society. It's a major problem within the people of God. We're so quick to share our opinions rather than to listen to the pain of another person. We might be right But we're missing the opportunity because God hasn't always called us just to prove that we're right in a situation. Again, more on that in just a second. Sometimes we say things and we don't realize what we say and how it's going to affect another person. We we think it's a throwaway comment, but we're not aware of the people that are sitting with us and how it might affect them. And again, we can't always be aware of uh, and be thinking uh, like about every little situation, how what we say might affect other people. It's That can be kind of dizzying. But the truth is, Jesus gives us this challenge that we need to be aware of what's coming out of our mouth. And I'll tell you, there have been many times where I've said something I didn't think about, that it might have been offensive or it might have hurt someone until after the fact. And I've had to repent of this, both personally and before God, many, many times. So please understand, I'm not projecting myself as to have having um, uh, overcome all of this and be perfect. And, and it's far from it. I still have so much to learn, but we've got to be aware. We've got to do our best to make sure we're not speaking carelessly and that our words are not unintentionally harming other people. We're so quick to share our opinions, but what if, what if God is asking us to listen more than we talk? What if God is asking us to listen more than we talk? I heard someone say recently, there's a reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth. It's because you're supposed to listen more than you speak. And actually the Bible really agrees with this. James himself, the one who's talking about the power of the tongue, says this in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. It's almost as if James is telling us right now, I want you to get on a pen or a marker, and I want you to highlight this in your Bible. I want you to write it down. I want you to tattoo it on your arm. I want you to make sure you get this in your head. Here's what he says. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm going to tell you right now, there is not better relationship advice in the whole of the Bible than these verses right here. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Man, we get this backwards. (laughs) We are quick to speak, and we're quick to become angry or to become offended at what someone has said. We live in this age right now where all we want to do is share our opinions and not listen. You know, think about how many times you've come into a a situation where you know there might be some kind of confrontation or some kind of challenge, and you're already loaded with the argument that you're ready to to tell the person why they're wrong and why they should do this or shouldn't do that. I mean, we all do this. We're quick to to speak and to have our arguments ready to go to be able to launch back at someone, whether it's through Facebook in an argument that way, or uh, whether it's replying to a text, or you're actually having some kind of interpersonal conflict. We're so quick to speak. We're so quick to be angry. And man, it doesn't take us a while to listen. As a matter of fact, I cannot tell you how many times in counseling couples and working through reconciliation with people, if the two people at the very beginning took time to really listen to one another, And not just hear the words that are being said, but to understand how many times those conflicts could have been avoided. But instead, we come with our arguments. We're ready to prove the person wrong. We're ready to show how we're right. And when we do that, man, do we hurt other people? Do we hurt relationships? When we're quick to be angry and to find offense in everything, we also live, by the way, in an age of offense where everyone is quick to be offended about everything. And this scripture clearly tells us that that is not an answer here as well because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And man, if that's not a message that the world needs to hear, everyone is angry about everything all the time. I mean, just we just live in anger and rage right now. I mean, just real quick, if you were just to Google some images of rage, you would see protests and people screaming and mad. And some of that is righteous anger, but a lot of it is human anger and it will not produce the righteousness that God requires. So we have to really lean into this and say, God, we're gonna take your word seriously. We're gonna be slow to speak and slow to become angry and we're gonna be quick instead to listen. You see, what happens when we share our opinions, or our convictions without listening as we've let our our convictions get ahead of our compassion. And in the kingdom of God, we can hold compassion and conviction in tension. We don't have to lose our convictions to have compassion. We don't have to do that. But we have to make sure that we're listening with compassion and responding with compassion if we want to be able to share our convictions. And this word word right now, this is not just for, for our church. I feel like this is even just broader outside of our church. We're living in an age where we're quick to share our convictions and slow to have compassion. And when we do that, what happens is the world out there or the person that you're talking to says, well, I'm going to question your convictions. I'm telling you because I have conversations with people about this regularly. What would happen if instead we were leaning in and listening to the pain of the people? What if we instead listened to the person that we've hurt? Regardless of whether we feel like they should be or not. What if we instead had sat down and had conversations and listened to their pain and listened to their experience instead of being so quick to point out five things while you're wrong? I am in no way trying to reduce truth and saying we have to throw away our convictions. What I'm saying is what's needed is an elevated level of compassion. And that's a way to summarize what James says here about being listeners before we're speaking. Guys, I I don't think that this is an issue just right now for society, although I think it is, but I think it's an issue for us. How have the words and the opinions that we've shared about any number of different things over the last year harmed people and relationships within your family, within the body of Christ here locally? My guess is there have been some wounds, some difficulties. People who have judged people for either being too flippant about COVID or too restrictive about COVID. People who have judged people for being too vocal about race or not vocal enough about race. People who have judged people for, I mean, you just name the things that we could have conflict over, and the chances are you've encountered some aspect of that. And I feel like the Holy Spirit asking us to slow down and be slow to speak and quick to listen. Slow to be angry, slow to respond with an angry response. And instead, seeking to understand. Recognizing the destructive power of words. Because those power of words do not just harm each other. It actually harms the unity of the body of Christ. It harms the very heart of God as we saw in Ephesians. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we harm other people with our words. So I think it's important for us to take a step back and think about how we have used our words, either the things we've spoken directly, the things we've written on the internet, the things we've texted or told someone else about something. We've got to rein that stuff back in. Guys, I remember here, remember the word of James to say, we all stumble in many ways. So there is an incredible amount of grace here. There is no shame or condemnation, but there is conviction of the Holy Spirit because what God is building is a spiritual family that is one, where we use our words to build each other up and support one another, where yes, we can actually have hard conversations. We can actually, the amount of hard conversations that I've helped people navigate over the course of the last 10 years, it'll blow your mind, but those can actually be healing conversations when they're done biblically. When they're not done biblically, they can be so destructive. So I just want to encourage you right now to take a couple minutes and and reflect and pray and ask yourself, is there anything that I have said with my mouth or typed or sent a message or said about another person that I need to repent of? I need to ask forgiveness from the Lord. And maybe I actually need and go and seek forgiveness for that person. Or maybe are you walking in a fence about something? something that just got underneath you and and you feel like, gosh, this is like really affecting me. You know it's true. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do with that. I'm not saying you need to go run right away and have a conversation with the person. I want you to be Holy Spirit led in this rather than me saying, here's what we need to do. Because my hope is that if we let the Holy Spirit lead us, we'll end up having really healing moments with the Lord. We'll cast off offense and we'll we'll build towards unity by recognizing the, the power of our words. So I want to give you, leave you today with just some time to reflection. I also want you to ask for God's grace in this for yourself and for other people. Again, we all make mistakes here. So we're not holding anyone to this ridiculously high standard. And instead we're saying, you know what, every single one of us need God's grace in this area. The last thing I would just say is this. Something that Jen and I were taught early on in our marriage about even relating to one another was to always assume the best. Always assume the best. So when someone says or does something to me that's harmful or hurtful, my immediate reaction is often frustration, anger, offense. And I'm not saying that's completely inappropriate. I'm just saying that what I've learned through the years is that I, want, I should assume the best about the person's intentions until I learn otherwise. So assume, for example, that the way that you perceived what someone said, that they didn't actually mean it that way. The word that someone spoke to you that was harsh, the thing that they said, that, that maybe they didn't mean it to hurt you the way it's hurting you. And by that, I don't necessarily mean be dismissive of it. Actually, I mean, it's time to have a conversation. Say, hey, this thing happened. It it really hurt. I know you love me. I know you care for me. So would you help me understand? If you could use those words, guys, would you help me understand what it was that you meant by that and what you intended by it? I'm going to assume the best until someone gives me a reason to assume the worst. And we could unpack that more at another time, but I'm going to say that, that right there has saved more relationships in my life and has been a, 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 just a huge thing in Jen and I's marriage so that with each other, even when we say things to one another that might, we might have taken offense at, we're just assuming the best because we know we love each other. We know we want each other's good. And so we pause and we just assume the best. Say, would you help me understand what you meant by that? It didn't sound right to me. <laughs> it sounded really frustrating. I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I know that today there are some words that I have said that are harsh, that are challenging. But Lord, I know that you have something for us and that you correct and rebuke us by your word so that we might be built up into the body of Christ. So, Lord, I pray that your kingdom would be released in our speech and that right now that you would silence us where we're bringing harm. And, Lord, and I pray that you would silence the voice of the enemy that might be bringing shame and condemnation, that you would silence right now the voice of the enemy that would bring division in any way. And instead, Jesus, build your church and make us one, even as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one in perfect love. Make us your people the same way. Protect and guard your body and help us, Lord, to be people who are compassionate with strong convictions who are slow to speak, slow to be angry, and quick to listen. In your name, Jesus, amen. Have a great week. We hope that you are encouraged by this week's sermon. For more information, visit us at our website, www.fusionchurch.com Or you could find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week.